0: what's up everyone welcome to our review of the mandalorian episode 9 the marshal you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, and anchor and just so everyone knows this review will be mostly spoiler content and uh we're gonna start it off spoiler free but just to give you that heads up we will give a warning when we go into spoiler content and give you that heads up but uh without further ado john how you doing
1: man i'm good i'm i'm, f- I'm ready for this man this was such a good season premiere and just so everybody knows i know it's listed as episode one of season two uh but people people have listed it as episode nine because it's the ninth episode in the series so far um so i know you're gonna mm-hmm. you see a lot of either episode one or episode nine uh but it is basically the exact same thing
0: yeah this is the season two premiere but i really like that this show had the gall to just say no we're doing episode nine um it just feels more continuous and it's I think blending it together is better for a series overall because people often hyper focus on the idea of like, oh, season two is worse than season three or what something like that. And this kind of just gives it a even flow. But uh yeah, l- let's talk let's talk about spoiler free stuff. and obviously that's not much of a spoiler. They just act like there's no huge big pivot of season two. I, uh, John, what were your thoughts about this episode? Were there things they did well that you liked? Were there things that you didn't like? Uh, what were you feeling? Yeah.
1: So you could definitely tell that Disney put more money into it, which is hard to believe, uh, that they would put more money (laughs) into an already well-funded show, but it really felt like they put the money to the best use possible. Um, and we said kind of the same thing about the boy is season two, uh, that it felt Bigger in in budgetary uh, standpoints, but that it still had those great character moments, and I think this show did the exact same thing, where it they still are relying on that uh, rather than doing the green screen technology, they have that giant wraparound screen that gives it that perspective and depth that the characters or that the actors can base their performances off of. So they still have that technology that they're using quite frequently, um, but then a lot of the characters that are CGI look gorgeous um but rather than pull a prequels and have um rely heavily on cgi for all of their characters because they have the money now they still had so many good practical costumes that i mean i i i think we both agree that we appreciate the practicality of it but um when they have practical costumes it can sometimes feel like they've taken a step back in time and they're just using costumes from the original Star Wars. Um, and obviously that's not a spoiler or anything, but it, it, it's a trade-off of having that tangibility and the practicality behind it, but also mm. not having the same um, uh, physics and weight that you could have if you had a, um, a CGI character that you could manipulate in the way that you know it needed to be because if you have a dude in a in a costume he's limited by what he can do and what the um the puppeteers can do with its facial features um but that was probably the the lowest point which is a very brief moment in the in the hour long episode almost um overall i thought this was an incredible season premiere and definitely set the tone and set the bar very high for the rest of season 2
0: yeah i definitely agree with you when it comes to the visual stuff because uh, they really hit the nail on the head when it comes to a lot of the visual aspects, except for some of the more practical effects, which, you know, there's like a small gripe. And I agree with you that happens towards the beginning of the episode where I'm just like, doesn't look great, but, you know, I appreciate it. And what they do what the, the big changes that they make from season one off the get go is that the the world feels way more lived in like the when you see the scale of things and what they did like i know they're using that rig to shoot the show but when they they had a couple of large set pieces in this and it felt like the world was bigger it didn't feel like it was smaller and emptier you still get that emptiness obviously but when you're on in the on the planet that you're on it's supposed to feel kind of empty in certain in in, at certain moments of this episode so i really did like that Continuity. I really did like that improvement when it comes to how the world feels and the scale of it. So that is a good thing, a good uh, change of life improvement as far as that. And uh, overall, the story great. I loved uh, a lot of the choreography towards the end of the of the episode, and I really loved uh, just how off the bat the show just starts with a banger and the music and it just gets you into it very quickly and it feels like we never really left off from season one so i really
1: appreciate that fact about it yeah and it 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 feels like they hit the ground running and they didn't waste a single minute which is crazy because in in season one it felt like there were moments that um, there were the moments where he was wandering and trying to find the next place he needed to go and it felt like it was it was almost too empty and there wasn't enough momentum building but in this like it was it was well paced while also feeling like they were using every moment incredibly well so it's not too quick but it's not dragging it all out and um, I know in season one we talked a lot about um, filler episodes and just kind of these one-off adventures. And while I will say that the, the overall um, episode, I think could have been um, could have been presented as a filler to some degree, it still seemed like it was uh, propelling the, the main story arc forward while setting up um, future uh, future parts of, of the narrative later on down the road um so <laughs> you, it
0: you say that because we get we get one of those tropes that we see in television a lot that's like one of those one-offs uh and not spoiling anything but it's definitely the the story that they set up you know it's like oh you know we've got a team up and blah blah blah, blah, blah and you know i just came into this place it's just mostly empty like what happened to this place it just it feels like the spaghetti western but we've seen that trope so many times
1: yeah and even taking um taking a setting an environment that we that we're familiar with i don't want to say which planet it is but it's a planet that we've been to many times before in star wars and presenting a new area of it because when they go to these planets it always feels like they just go to one particular town or city in it and it, it leaves an entire planet unexplored but even going to the same place that we've been to, but just a different area, a different part of town that hasn't been explored before, you're right. Like it gave it this new sense of um, like expansion and depth that we haven't seen, and introduced, um, it, it re, uh, oh, how do you call it? Reoriented or gave us a new perspective on events we've seen in other content. I'm trying to walk around this tightrope really well. Um, we turn a but,
0: corner on a certain place we we've, we've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it gave us a. a they improved a, a pr- on it. It presented an event that we've seen in another format, and it gave us a new kind of context for it in the world that they have established on *The Mandalorian*.
0: Yeah, for sure. That, it, for, it, like the our, our perspective has changed on it. I think they definitely improved upon that because um, that. Well, basically, what we're saying is we revisit a planet we visited before. Um, obviously that's what revisiting a planet is but it's uh <laughs> it is really one of those things where they did make a lot of improvements but there's still there still are some flaws um i think that there's like one character in particular who every time they're on screen i'm just like i really don't care and i don't vibe with you but all the other characters that they introduced are fantastic uh one, one of the person who one of the people who joins mando in this episode really had a great dynamic with him and i appreciate that uh kind of like cara dunes character having a good dynamic with uh, the mandalorian and even uh oh man i forget his name already carl weathers character um his carga di- grief carga yeah and his dynamic with mando the characters who who just interact with him are great except for this one the, the one that I'm speaking that I did not like, but the new characters are great. The old character I don't care for so much. Uh, and then the other thing, the last thing I want to say is that the way they integrated Easter eggs and hidden moments is just getting better and better when it comes to the star Wars universe. Cause I cannot tell you how much I hated the stupid dice thing from the last Jedi, which <laughs> last Jedi is a better movie for me now after watching it a couple of times, but I still hate the dice and I still hate it in solo and all the things they did with that movie whereas this you have a ton of easter eggs that are just not they don't they don't think you're dumb and at the same time they don't they don't act like you need to care about it like if you catch it if you're a star wars fan and you see it and you're like have i seen that before Nah, it's fine it doesn't break the immersion of knowing it or not knowing it and there were a couple things i had to go back and look at because i saw other people talking about did you see this easter egg and i'm like i did see that one i didn't see that one but i appreciate it so uh that's the last thing i'll say about that great great job john favreau and he wrote
1: this one too (laughs) yeah no i mean that that wraps up pretty well my final thoughts on the non-spoilery stuff so let's go into the spoiler content
0: spoiler warning uh if you uh don't want to hear anything abort mission get out of here but let's get into it, John.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay. What's the What's the
0: it, first thing you want to talk about?
1: The first thing I want to talk about is, uh, we see Boba Fett's armor on somebody else, obviously. Uh, so I, what's um, Timothy Oliphant's, Oliphant's, uh character? Oh my gosh! The Marshal. The Marshal, yeah. So we see yes. it on the Marshal. It It's pretty funny to me. It kind of looks like um, somebody took a teenagers clothing and put it on an adult it just doesn't seem to fit him um, He's so he, it's so weird because timothy oliphant's character
0: the marshal is so lanky and when you look at boba fett's armor he has like a when like the the way the actor looks in the original movies is that he has like a long sleeve sweater and then they attach pieces of the armor to it so that it looks bulkier whereas timothy oliphant instead of wearing like a long sleeve like bulky sweater or whatever he's got his sweater is like slim fit so yeah. i'm looking at some dude who looks like he's about to go clubbing in like the in like in minnesota or something and he looks like super super ready to get down with the ladies whereas boba fett looks like he's going to war it's a, it's just a, such a weird thing the underlay does because it's supposed to be the exact same armor so that, that yeah. was a weird thing for me looking at it
1: but it it was it was really interesting to see um, the fall of the second Death Star rec- recontextualized. That's the word I was looking for, um, in, in on Tatooine and how people oh, yeah. celebrated um, that they felt like the uh, the Empire had fallen and that the um, the Empire's expansion had stopped. But then it just put them right back into the path of other warlords and uh, rival the m- groups. The mining company. Yeah, the, the mining company or the mining guild or something like yeah, the mining group, um, and to see just to see this new part of of Tatooine that we haven't ever explored before, it it was a nice way of nodding towards a familiar setting while also re or um, while also giving us a new um, bit of content, and rather than just rehashing the same idea over and over and over again, um, so I really appreciated that. I thought the overall this is. Probably better than the majority of season one episodes, um, just in what they were able to accomplish. Um, Mm. CGI for the crate Dragon was spot on, is so good. Um, You could definitely tell that they're ripping off Dune a bit from that character.
0: Yeah, but they delayed Dune so they can get away with this. (laughs) That's fair. Disney saw that they delayed Dune and they're like, perfect. We're not going to get any trouble. No one's going to care. For all you people who want Dune and can't get it, this is where you get your big worm content.
1: Yes. Um, So what from the episode really stood out to you?
0: Well, what stood out to me is definitely the scale of everything. Like it felt Tatooine looked better because instead of us getting mostly shots of him riding across the dune scene it feeling very empty, we get the village that he goes to the, I forget the name of it, but the, the, the village that he goes to, there's people in it, it feels like a, a ghost town similar to like a, you know, kind of like what Timothy Oliphant's used to with uh, Deadwood. Yeah. and. We get to see him. The speeder goes through town real slowly. I loved that aesthetic. Just a lot of things that they added to the content. And when you go to see the 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 crate dragon, the space that they're in is huge, and it feels huge. It feels like they're in a big mountainous desert that has different aspects to it it's not just dunes there's a big hill here there's a spire you can look over and see the cave and you could see this Tuscan Raider running for his life and he gets eaten but it looks like he's running forever before he gets eaten and I love that they did that to feel that this world is bigger it is a planet we're on not just a set and I really do appreciate that but going to uh, going to the, one of the other things that I noticed that uh, we kind of alluded to was the prosthetic and the practical effects in the beginning with the uh, the kind of small-time gangster, like, uh, what do they call them? Like, uh, those, those people who, who put on shows, you know, the, the alien that Mando gets to look in the beginning trying to get information about finding other Mandalorians, and yeah. the guy just wants his Beskar armor, armor, and it's just kind of got him in a trap to just uh reveal it while he's also betting on some fights and i really didn't like the aliens type of getup because when he runs away it looks like a man running around with a big shell
1: surrounding him <laughs> and it looks kind of ridiculous it, it kind of looks kind like of like yeah oh, sorry go ahead it looks like the one of the um uh week weekly villains from power rangers oh
0: i said it looks like i was gonna say it looks like the Chuckabos that are running in those, like, weird Japanese, like, game shows where there's, like, a minefield that's blowing up and it's, like, this dude in this hilariously huge costume running in a minefield while things are exploding. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of like that. It looks ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) But overall, besides that, which is played by John Luguzalmo, which is pretty, pretty cool, um, which I did not catch that Easter egg at first. I don't know if you no
1: everybody thought it was John Favreau and it sounded just like him like normally John Leguizamo sounds very lispy and um, he has that very distinctive voice but he was able to really um, really put on a great performance I thought I mean and when I go back and listen to it it's like I can tell that it's him now. Um, But that's just all with the power of perspective, and um, I thought he did a great job with it. He was very menacing that's in a role that I've not heard from him before, Um, and it was nice that they were able to bring in new talent and not just rehash the same kind of voice actors that they had before
0: yeah for sure like the they just keep on adding these cool cameos and i think we see sam whitware also in there in the in the town which is really cool to see him like as mando is over on a speeder bike seeing the man the myth the legend of star wars and how he just gets these cool cool uh scenes and uh him starring mando is really cool but um that was a really nice touch like i said easter eggs aren't thrown in your face that he's only in there for like a brief brief moment you can only see him passing by less than five seconds of fame but you know they just keep hitting kit hitting all the right beats when it comes to this i thought the pacing was really well done you know you have the exciting fight then you go to Tatooine to revisit and the character that i don't like is the woman that <laughs> in that uh, original Tatooine episode who watched the who watched baby yoda and you know she kind of has like a funny dialogue with mando but i just she's overacting in a way i hate it
1: yeah it doesn't seem to fit the rest of the the characterization of the other people um like it, it seems like everybody else plays it very straight or if they have humor it's very dry and she's just kind of like got that slapstick um almost like original star wars type of humor where it's it's like c3po where he's trying too hard um but it, it's intentionally funny because it's so drastically different than everyone else and i think that they've kept trying to re- revisit that style um with uh with jar jar in in the prequels um with some of the other I, characters in the sequel trilogy
0: <laughs> no the characters in the sequel trilogy do terrible job they fly now they fly now it's so bad but <laughs> I, I i see what you mean by them trying to recapture that original trilogy humor Especially with C3PO, like rewatching the movies, like C3PO's humor to me is on point. I love it. But when they try it with Jar Jar, I'm like, it's terrible. There's something about it where this woman, I feel like she's doing, she's trying to act like she's in a sitcom while also doing a transatlantic accent, but not doing it. She's just in, in fluctuate, her influx and her language and her body language is just so ridiculous. It's just, I can't believe that this person is in Star Wars universe. And it just doesn't seem believable that someone would be such a wisecrack and goofy in this universe and just look like, you know, someone's like Aunt Beth or something. It just, it just doesn't fit. Yeah,
1: yeah, it definitely seems very out of place. I do want to hit on, uh, I think, the biggest reveal of the episode oh, and yeah. the most important thing going forward because let me let me just kind of break this down for a second so when they when they showed us boba fett's armor on the marshal and he said that he got it from the jawas um that they that the um crate dragon had eaten um the the sarlacc Sarlacc. yeah uh so okay so all of those things combined gave me the idea that boba fett was in the sarlacc crate dragon came along ate the sarlacc so it's even if he did escape the Sarlacc, he's still got to deal with the Crate Dragon, who is a lot more deadly than the Sarlacc, because that eats you, uh, digests you slowly over thousands of years, um, or at least hundreds of years. And then we see the Jawas are scavengers, so they probably found the discarded armor off in the desert. So that just, that told me right off the bat, okay, so if if this guy is coming back to be in the series, he's going to be Rex and he's going to be working with Ahsoka. That's why he's on the, that's why he's doing these episodes. He keep Boba Fett can't be back. But then when they had that final reveal in the last moments of the, of this, of the episode and they show him in all of his melted skin glory, um, it just, I mean, it, it validated what Star Wars fans have been thinking for years. Like this is canon now. Boba Fett is actually alive. Um, and he is going to be a player in the series right off the bat. Like they didn't beat around the busher or, or hide this for the like, mid, mid-season reveal. This is right off the bat. Boba's back. He's going to be a part of this.
0: Yeah, and that's a really great thing. And I think fans should be excited to see that because, you know, I know it's, it seems so weird. It's like no one ever dies in, in Star Wars who's a bad guy. And it's not true, but we've always wanted Boba. Boba was... Boba was what gave rise to Django Fett and Django Fett went out in the movie he was introduced, which is terrible. We don't get enough Boba and they added a lot of Mandalorian elements to the lore with the Clone Wars and obviously the Rebels. But now we're getting it in, in more into the show because obviously it's called the Mandalorian. I love that they explore Ma- uh, Boba Fett, which I hope is going to help us explore a lot of the what is it the Death Squad from from mandalorian is that what they call death squad or something oh yeah
1: uh was it um moff gideon's troops
0: no not moff gideon's gr- troops like the
1: it, oh the mandalorian group yeah the mandalorian yes. the the extremist
0: group i just want to see because boba it, boba is kind of excommunicated from the mandalorians like him him and jango was never part of of mandalore as like a mandalore society like he but people speculate that he was part of that that death squad kind of uh, uh universe so i want to see how it connects to boba fett who obviously we see him mostly hanging out with bounty hunters in the clone wars and him going back and forth and just trying to kill his sole mission is to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi because everyone wants to kill Obi-Wan oh. Kenobi and make his life miserable because <laughs> it's really funny that way. No, that's not true. He's not trying to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's trying to kill Mace Windu. That's who it is. Yeah, because he decapitated his... He killed his yeah, dad. Yeah, he killed his dad. But yeah, yeah, I hope we get more of that. But, you know, that reveal, you know, I kind of expected it. I didn't really freak out that much when I saw him in the, in the Dark Cloak. What I did really get giddy about was when the when the crate dragon is fighting and he's kind of unstoppable and then mandalorian looks at the marshall and he's like let's go and they then the mandalorian like theme swells and they turn on the jetpacks and they go into the air and reach the the top of that uh cliff where the crate dragon just spraying it's like acid everywhere and killing people that part got me really hyped and that is the part that i think that's Star Wars, baby, because they do the music thing. Here comes the heroes. They're trying to do what they can, and they have to improvise. And, but, uh, you know, Jindarin kills the crate Dragon with a Bantha that's strapped to a bunch of bombs, which is kind of funny, but it's expected. I just, that part felt like it was so action-packed, and I loved seeing that the action in this this, this start to season two felt bigger than him fighting the, what is it? The mud horn and him, you know, kind of like just getting flailed around. This one felt smarter. It felt scarier. I, I very much liked that part. It was probably my favorite part of the whole episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the monster felt larger than life. It, it felt like there was nothing that they could have done to, um, to stop it especially after that moment of of the um of them seeing or like um scaling down the skeleton of it and and just trying to give it some perspective of how large it was compared to people and that moment that the marshal realized oh crap this is way bigger than i ever thought it would be um it, it it was definitely that moment of 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 scale of realizing how big the threat actually was um but then even them like you like you said like of them coming together, seeing these people in action, um, improvising, finding the way out was great. What I'm curious about is um, so Mandalorian or the the Mando uh, his his armor is part of his religion, and it's obviously very important to him to return all the Beskar armor to, back to uh, Mandalore um, and back to his people. Yes. Um, but the Boba, F- Boba Fett's armor isn't Beskar, um, according to uh, canon, um, or according to like the rest of Star Wars. Um, so when he sees it for the first time, it's almost it's almost contrary to what he said before, where it's it's technically Mandalorian armor, but it's not actually Beskar. So it shouldn't be that important to him, but it. it stops him in his tracks like he doesn't care about his mission of returning baby yoda and finding other mandalorians like this is all that consumes him at that point um and it it was just interesting to kind of see that switch of of how hyper focused he was on getting that armor back when it it really it was just like a replica of of the rest of mandalore's um style armor um and the other thing that i'm i'm kind of wondering how what you think about is when we see Boba Fett at the end, if he got out of the Sarlacc pit, he could have just kept his armor. Um, it was the thing that protected him, that kept him alive during that time in it. And so if he was able to escape, he would have escaped with it on. But obviously, if he gave it up or gave it to the Jawas, even for money or for whatever, then that's him choosing to part with that armor. For water. So, I mean, potentially. <laughs> kind of like, but- like the Marshal. It's like, he needs water. <laughs> But at the same time, he had a jetpack like he could have found he could have gone up, gotten his his bearings and found a town nearby. His jetpack um, got
0: damaged in the fight with Luke Skywalker. Remember?
1: Uh, I mean, OK, so regardless, <laughs> he could have found a way out. He got out of the Sarlacc pit. He could have kept his armor and then um, he could have at least maybe sold part of it. I don't know. But do you think that that is going to put him on a collision path with uh, with the Mandalorian to get that armor back? Or do you think that's him? kind of shedding that identity and looking for a new path um maybe some kind of redemption for boba fett
0: Ooh, i i really don't know because we do see hints of we see hints of a child who is in a bad world in parts of the clone wars where boba just screws up because he kind of has a heart at times he's not like a a natural born bounty hunter and killer but you know he he was fueled by rage and revenge and and i i think that over the years him being a bounty hunter a guy for hire you know is there a possibility for a redemption sure is it something that i want not really i i would prefer him to be kind of an anti-hero in this equation or i prefer him to be like i'm trying to get answers about certain things and him going off on his own and maybe we have branching storylines even though the story is mostly about the mandalorian and the child I, I i don't i don't want him to join the team at all uh but that's just yeah. that's just my opinion on it because i just i can't wrap my head around someone who suddenly just has a turnaround or maybe he gave up the armor because he want to give up the bounty hunter life He want an easier life Or uh, because he made deals with the Empire. He's one of the most feared bounty hunters. I don't know what it is. But I prefer this guy to still be kind of a hard ass. And if they do kind of make him join the team. I hope there's a betrayal situation in it. I hope that's what they set up. If he does join. Other than that I really don't. I really don't want him to be a part of the crew so easily.
1: Yeah. So then where do you see them taking episode 2? Because obviously uh dinjarin is back on track he's he's got the armor he's he's gonna go off world um he's got he's got the next step of his plan in motion here um do you think that it's going to um have Boba fett in episode two and and in almost every future episode or what do you think that they're going to go from here um
0: i really don't know i think that if i were to be a gambling man I would imagine that he has to have the armor curated somehow and you talk about the armor not being real Beskar so he gets it curated by someone who knows about that armor and they tell him that it's from Boba Fett, this feared bounty hunter or something like that. At the same time, I don't know if they're going to meet, but I imagine he's going to try and escape the planet of Tatooine or uh, everything points toward him towards him having a confrontation with the Mandalorian. Boba Fett should have a confrontation with the Mandalorian in season or in episode 10 or the second episode of season 2 or the episode after that, which means he escapes the planet or he joins the crew, which it is what it is. Uh, I'll take a I'll take a leap of faith with it, but it's not something I necessarily believe in yet. So that's what I I think we are going to get an interaction But I don't. I think he needs to confront Mando about the armor first. I don't see him just willy nilly leaving the planet because this guy doesn't look like he's rolling in dough, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and it it, it's definitely. I think it's definitely going to lead more towards a confrontation because in in parts of the trailer, we see um, uh, the Razor Crest in really really bad shape. One of the engines is failing. He's he basically crash lands onto an ice world. And, um, and it makes me wonder if, if he and Boba Fett are going to get into that confrontation (sighs) and Boba Fett's going to do that damage. He's going to get into
0: slave one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the name of the ship, John. Don't, don't take it. Don't take it too far. I'm just wondering if that ship's even around still.
0: It's gotta be, it's gotta be on some, it's gotta be somewhere on, Ooh, that, that could be an interesting thing. His, his ship has got to be somewhere on Tatooine being used by some local gangster and kind of just like raving about how he has Boba Fett's beloved ship because that's what the, we've seen things like that happen in other parts of, of star Wars lore, not necessarily the, the canon of everything, but we've seen like the Ebon Hawk from the old Republic is kind of impounded because of this of a Sith barricade. And all of this might sound like uh Yiddish to a lot of people, but it is, it is a really cool thing that they've done before, and even even in Solo, when the Millennium Falcon is impounded, uh, in on that uh from oh man now I'm blanking it's it, <laughs> it's impounded and and uh, the part with Lando Calrissian and there we go Lando Calrissian and and the Millennium Falcon are just impounded, and he he can't he can't leave. So we've seen things like this before in other Star Wars. In other lore and canon as well, just in this particular, you know, I, I would love to see that. And I would love to see the Razor Crest get in a huge fight with slave one. Cause that ship is a beast. It almost killed Obi-Wan and, uh, it'd be cool to see it almost kill the Mandalorian. That would be pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I think they've definitely left the door open for a lot of great confrontation. And I don't think that Boba Fett's just going to be a one-off Um, and it it would also be a lot, be more interesting if he's the one that, well, I mean, I think he is the one that found Fennec Shand on that planet. (laughs) Yeah. Now we know, So I think Fennec Shand is still alive because they showed the body, there's no confirmation of death. And so if they've teamed up together to stop Mandalorian together, um, that could lead for lead for lead to a really, um, unique and interesting confrontation and kind of a revenge in that sense. Um, so I think, I think the tension is only going to escalate from here. Um, I hope that the remaining episodes of the season are also an hour long, uh, or 54 minutes, whatever it was this time. Um, and I hope that they don't scale it back down in future episodes because they still have a lot of story to get through. They still have a lot of characters to introduce. Moff Gideon has to come back with the dark saber. There's a lot of stuff to get through in the next seven episodes. And I am really excited to see where they go from here.
0: I forgot about the Fennec Shand thing, so that kind of gives me hope that we're going to see a second antagonist group in Fennec Shand and Boba Fett versus the Mando, and Mando versus, obviously, Moff Gideon, so this makes it more of of what I thought was going to happen, and something I think I would enjoy more. But I don't know. John, final thoughts. Were your expectations met? Underwhelmed? Overwhelmed? What
1: was it? I was overwhelmed. And I, I, I think it was... In a just, good way, right? In a great way, yeah. Great way. In a great, authentic, uh, not trying to um, overdo it or just throw things in for the sake of putting it in. Because like you said, like there was really really subtle Easter eggs, really tasteful Easter eggs. Um, the I thought the quality of the writing was really well done. There were just a couple little moments here and there that I think faltered a bit. But uh, not every episode can be perfect. But overall, I think that they've really upped the ante for this season. And as long as they keep on this trajectory, I think it's going to be a great rest of the show.
0: Yeah, and I would say my expectations were surprisingly met. And I say surprisingly met because I think that they did a great job. They improved a lot of things. And I would say that they exceeded my expectations, but that sounds too grandiose. I think they hit it out of the park as far as fixing a lot of things and I'm excited to see what happens next because uh the, the just looks it just looks better and if they continue this quality I'm just gonna start saying that the show is exceeding my expectation but until I see that continued improvement and I know that it's stable unlike what we saw last season with like oh this show looks really cool oh god these filler episodes suck uh I I
1: withhold my judgment but for right now I'm the expectation is met yeah that's fair so I, I think we have uh, some pretty, pretty great content to look forward to. The next episode is this coming Friday, which is uh, November 6th. Um, it'll come out 3 a.m. Eastern Time or midnight uh, Western or West Coast. Um, so I, I'm definitely, well, actually, Friday, I won't be able to watch that until probably that evening. Um, so hopefully hopefully you can keep the spoilers from me. I got to stay off the Internet for the rest of the day because I'm going to be doing some driving. Yeah, you do. Oh, my gosh, man. It's going to be it's going to be a good one. I hope it's I hope it's just as long. You're just
0: going to turn on the radio with your wife in the car and you're just going to hear like the child did this. And you're like, no, no, change it. <laughs> it's going to be like a Cleveland. No, 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 no. Exactly. And you get such weird, you get such weird looks on the highway as you're changing like six lanes. Because <laughs> you're freaking panic out. Panic driving exactly panic driving uh but that will be it for this this week's episode i hope you enjoyed our discussion uh hopefully next week we'll have another review up for you about the mandalorian episode 10 because i'm not gonna say season 2 episode 2 i think continuing with the episode 10 is uh better so yeah we'll that's look fair. forward huh that's fair that's fair it is fair all fair is fair we we'll look forward to uh you listening next week We'll see you then. Bye.